We're resuming. This is part number two of uh, the lesson um, 1 9 2022. So, as we, we were in point number three, and we looked at we're carrying forward a thought of glory based on achievement. And now that we can add these new dynamics as before the world began. So, uh, we talked about how. This glory is not just for the Father, but it's for the Son. And those of us who are part of the Son, as we talked about the Holy Spirit's job, is to reveal all of this. And this all happened before the world began. These are monument verses when we think about the plan, right? I know... Let me just say this before we go on to point B. I know the quest of many men is to make themselves out to be God. I know that this is not a new question. And people, man wants to be God. Man wants to be powerful, a super creature, invested with all of the attributes of God. This is a desire, a lust of man. But I just want to say that this is not what we find here. We are not pushing ourselves into some position where we're, we're taking the glory of God. This is a plan that we are reading about in the word of God that speaks of us. None of us ask to be here. None of us could have been here if the Father had not chose us from eternity past to be here. All of man is not in this group. Only those the Father chose specifically for uh, those who would be in Christ. It is not for all humanity. So while I know this sounds like a person would say, well, wait a minute, you're just violating every rule of humility that there is. I'm just reading what the scripture says. Let us, let us read what it says and see if we can believe it, come to love it, and let that be our motivation in life. So point B, the glory I had with you. This is in the phrase, uh, before the world began. And to note, there was no humanity of Christ, but there was the person of Christ. So when we, when God the Father chose us in him, this was before time began. Now, if you just read that in Ephesians 1, 4, it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. That's the creation of the universe. Because in Genesis 1.1, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He didn't create the heavens and then later create the earth. He created everything. But then the focus in Genesis 1 is on the earth. So that's what he focuses on. But the universe, that's what's really being said here. So... Before the world began, you were chosen for this time. 
And when we were chosen for this time, as we said, there was no humanity of Christ. You were not chosen to be in the humanity of Christ. He chose you in Christ. Well, where was Christ? What was he called then? He was called the Word. He existed. The person of Christ existed. That's the same person who did take on, later take on a human body. But when we were chosen in him, uh, he wasn't. He hadn't, like it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's what it says in John 1, 14. So that's that point, point B. It's just saying the glory I had with you. Now notice Christ is saying that there was glory that he had with the Father before the world began, before the universe was created. And I'm just pointing out that it kind of skips over fact that there was humanity. You could almost say that the humanity of Christ, this is just an idea advanced by me, was used simply to bring many sons into glory. If I were to skip over everything and just say, well, what is the focus? What is the eternal purpose of God? It is to bring many sons into glory. I know the Christian world would not like that at all because it sounds like I'm self-serving. It sounds like I'm falling into the habit of what these people who are lusting after, I want to be God. That's not it at all. But I'm saying that if God had this eternal purpose at heart, this is the very pinnacle of what he, he wanted, but he'd hid it. He didn't tell anybody about it, but now he's revealed it. I'd say we need to focus our attention. I, that needs to be one of those face turns where God grabs our jaw and turns it because if you're looking at Israel and you're focused on that, thinking that, well, you're going to be like Daniel or you're going to be like Moses or you're going to be like Ezekiel or one of those guys, you never are going to be an Israelite. Or if you're looking past and focused on revelation and all the stuff that happens to Israel later and all that, where God is finishing the rest of the story of Israel, God needs to grab your face and pull it directly to where this information is. This is it. This is the ultimate. This, this, if you don't, well, first of all, the fact that you're here is huge, that God chose you to be here he wants your attention fully. So point number C, we're moving forward. This person was known to us as the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So all we had was God in the beginning. There was no angels. There was no humanity. And it was just God. And that God said, I want to have children. That's when he says, bring many sons into glory. And those sons will be conformed to the image of my son. Who's his son? The one who was God. We're, we're in Christ and the glories that Christ saw as a result of this plan are the very glories that are conferred upon us. So there was no humanity of Christ, but there was the person of Christ. And 
that person of Christ is now who we are identified with through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to go into the details of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've done it many times. If you have questions about it, you should make sure you get answers to those so you can understand truly what that's about. Because that's the very means by which God did all of this. this. You might say, what did he do? How did he do it? And why did he do it? Those are three, three important questions to ask about this information. What it is, who we are. Oh, I mean, there's a lot of more questions I could ask, but just start with those. Point C is, is that Christ is the word. He's God. And this information was planned before time began. Point D. So the same person, let's look at this, who is the word, who became flesh, is the same person who is our Lord Jesus Christ. So you could follow that same person all the way down to Jesus Christ. And, and listen, when I say it's the same person who is the word, the same person who became flesh, that's John. Well, first is John 1, 1, right? It was the same that's who we are seeing about the word who created all things. Without him, there was not one thing that was created that has been created. And then the word became flesh. That's John 1, 14, where, you know, he took on a new nature. That's the incarnation right there. But it is the same person now who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who happens to be saying these things about Father Glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. Like I said, there was no humanity back then. But what do we have? We have the person of Jesus Christ back then. And we are in him. We're not baptized into the humanity of Christ. Why does it say in, in, in Romans then that we are baptized into his death? We skipped right over his life, his earthly life. We are not baptized and now we become a Jew like he was. That's what his earthly life was. He was a Jew. There's no equivocation about him. But then when we are identified with him, we are baptized into his death and then burial, and then, then resurrection. Why death? Because not only was he separated from his earthly life by the death of Christ that enables him to be glorified. We are separated from our earthly life in Adam and we are now joined to the person of Christ. His death, his burial, and completely legally speaking, legally is God's legality, it's not human legality. God is saying, I freed you from Adam and now I can unite you with the person of Christ. So now we are raised with him. And it talks about us being seated in the heavenly realms and heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All of that. Just notice what didn't change from eternity past when there was nothing to now when Jesus Christ is standing on the earth. It's the same person. That was the word. That was the word that became flesh. That's the Lord Jesus Christ right now talking about glorify me in your presence with the glory that we had before time began. 
Okay, so point E. So let's, let's just go through a little bit. What happened to this person? What changes did he undergo? And these are important features to know about the plan. So let's just dig into where we are. What happened? Um, there's four points, it looks like. The word was and is a person, and the nature he possessed is God. Okay, so that's what he was. We read that in John 1.1. 1, 1. I'm making these points. Hopefully, you're not asking me to prove them. I've already done that, and hope we can't re regurgitate all that information. So I can just tell you it's in John 1, 1 through 3, or in John 1, 18. So the Word was a person, and that person was with God the Father. Two persons are... Uh, in proximity to one another. So it speaks of two persons. Okay. And the nature that this person possessed is certainly God. Point number two. Change occurred in the incarnation. Remember, the incarnation is not taking something away. It is adding. That's Philippians 2.7. We might want to turn there just so we can be sure of what I'm saying. Right? Philippians 2.7. Philippians 2 and 7 says, rather, he made himself nothing. So how did he make himself nothing? Well, first of all, he says he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He was God by very nature. Okay, we already saw that in John 1.1. 1, 1. All things were created by him. Only God creates things. Uh, God is the one who's responsible for creation. In Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.3 tells us that the person who did it was the Word, the person of Jesus Christ, who we now know is Jesus Christ. So, so verse 7, he didn't use his divinity, his divine nature, rather... He made himself nothing. Now, how did he make himself nothing? This is, um, how do you make yourself nothing by addition? Well, how did he do it? If, how do we understand that statement? By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man. What did he do after that? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So Jesus underwent a change here. And the change, back to our notes, it occurred, and what this is what we call in theology, the incarnation. So it's not taking something away from Christ, the person of Christ. It is adding something to the person of Christ. How did he do it? By taking. Taking is adding taking upon himself. He couldn't divest himself of being God, but he took upon himself human nature. He became a man. And you remember the body snatchers analogies, right? The reason why he was able to go into the human race or take on humanity is it's like a hand in a glove. It fits. He has the right type of persons, the personhood that we have, so that he is just like us, true humanity as we spoke. 
Point number three. So this is, the question was, what changes did he undergo? What happened to this person? Point number three. What was added to this person? And I say humanity. As we have gone through the verses, Hebrews 1, 14, Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. I already, you already know he, uh, John 1, 14. Let's read Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Why don't we read that? Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Here we go. Since the children have flesh and blood, that's humanity, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who were all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps. Notice when he says angels, he's talking about their nature. He didn't become an angel, but Abraham's descendants. Right? He's talking about uh, Abraham as a man. For this reason, he had to be made like them. Now, it says he had to be made like them. Fully human in every way. It's almost like I wrote this. I didn't write this. <laughs> I'm kidding. Fully human in every way. And he, in order that he might become a merciful, faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered, and when he was tempted, he was able to help those who are being tempted. So I, I think... That verse is telling us the change that Christ underwent. He took on true humanity. Obviously, it's a person that we're, we're that took on true humanity because true humanity is a nature. So, the nature of man, he took that on. So then, that's point number four in our. That's E four. And now the same person is petitioning the Father, glorify me from the context of the completed plan. So just getting a look of what Christ said when he said, with the glory I had with you. Right. So point F, the glory I had with you. We're moving forward. If the glory is about the achievement of the Father's plan, then the Father is worthy of this glory as well. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And we read that as well. We, we could save a little time here because I'll just quote it, where Christ was highly exalted because of what, what he had done. And therefore, the Father exalted him to a, high, a place higher than any name that is named or any title. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and all that. Notice what it says at the end, to the glory of God the Father. So God is worthy of this praise because he's the one who planned it. Christ executed it. He planned it. So both of them receive glory as a result of this. So that's point, right? That, that was point uh, four in E. So well, actually that was F. It's about the achievement of the Father's plan. So I'm hoping that um, the glory is related to what we call achievement. Right? It's not just some, you know, God is beaming 
light out or something and people think, wow, that's glory. No, glory here is about the accomplishment of the work of Christ. In other words, the completion of the Father's eternal purpose. Point G. So these, these are important. This one is, is key. And I think after we finish this, we probably will have to end it. We'll come back next week with the last of it. So there was agreement between the Father and the Son that there would be glory. Now just think about that. How do we get that? With the glory I had with you. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. After he had just finished his discourse with the disciples, we saw it. We saw the ups and downs that the disciples had, the questions, uh, show us the Father. Uh, can you just speak plainly to us? What exactly is going to happen? What are you talking about? Right. All the stuff he went through with them in the discourse. Now, he turns to the Father and he starts praying. He says uh, in verse 5, he says, the glory, uh, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. He says, reason why? Because I finished the work you gave me to do. So now glorify me. It's, it's a look at what Christ already knows in his heart, but I'm wondering, obviously this look is for us so that we can see the glory that all of the plan deserves and that we lift it up in our minds as well as important. The glory I had with you before the world began. Yeah, that's, that's what we're going to have to discuss. Okay, so let's look at four points to consider there. Point one. The glory depended on Christ's finished work. Now, some of this stuff you already know, right? Uh, just, just bear with me. But it should be stated in this way because it needs to be pinned in your mind. Right? So if you're wondering about this glory, well, it's, it depended on the finished work. The glory they shared before the world began was, and I call it here, projected glory. Why? Because Christ is not yet glorified. As we stated, he's just a man at this point. Well, he's not. He's the God man, but he's not glorified humanity, and which is different than just humanity vastly different, and we'll talk about it more later. Point two, this confirms that there was a definite plan before creation. You might say, well, okay, where do you get that from? <laughs> I could just get it from this verse right here. I don't have to look any further. Uh, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. There was a definite plan. It confirms that there was a definite plan. Why do we have to stress about such things? Why, why, why am I making a point of this? That seems obvious. It's because other people don't. There are churches that don't talk about what the plan of the Father is and that that is the way of life that we now have in the Christian church. They don't talk about what after salvation, what do you do, what, what's next? They don't talk about the mystery that was hidden, but revealed to us in this age. They don't talk about any of this. So why do we have to make a big point of that and prove it? Because people don't. They don't focus on this. And if they don't focus on this plan, then they adopt some other plan. Uh, they're busy with one foot in Israel and trying to come up with some 
okay, the plan of God after salvation is just be moral. Yeah, well, tell people not to be homosexuals or tell people, um, you know, no sex before marriage and make sure you are sticklers for all of that and make people hate you. You know, that's, that's the plan. Be obnoxious as a Christian to others. And that's not it. It's something completely different that God has us doing. There's a new agenda for us. If this is hidden from before time began, and this is the information that we have, it certainly isn't related to those things. That's not what we're to be known for. I mean, this, this, so in absence of a plan, what do, what do people do who don't have it? They create something that they think is unique. But they can never come up with a plan like this. All they need to do is have the humility just to trust it. Okay, so this confirms that there was a definite plan before creation. All right, so point three. Since they shared this glory before time began, they already saw it. They saw the completion and result of it. And, you know, when you think about that, you say, well, they, I mean, Christ is literally saying, look, we had special time where we not only saw the plan. That means th the glory is at the end of the plan, just to know. It's not at the beginning of the plan. It's at the end. So they already saw the end already of how it all would work out because it is all ordained by them. Time was ordained and created by them. Each moment in time is created and sustained by them. So they saw, like he says, we, we read the scriptures, I am Alpha and I am Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. I know all of it. I know of all of it from beginning to the end. Literally, that's what he's saying. And when he says, the glory I had with you before the world began, no human being could say something like that. It has nothing to do with the humanity of Christ. He, he couldn't say that. This has to do with the person of Christ, speaking that which he knows happened. And that is that the Father and the Son agreed to a plan. That the Father had the plan, the Son would execute the plan. They agreed, and they saw the result of it, which is glory. And we have something to do with that. Not to make your head any bigger than it already is, your headphones probably can't even fit on anymore. Just slow down. This is about Christ. We didn't have any achievement in this. Christ had all the achievement. He's the one that did all the executing. When he tells the Father, now give me the glory I had with you before the world began, then he shares it with us. He doesn't give it to us because we've achieved. He says, the glory I got from you, Father, I'm giving to them. Why? Because that's the plan that we saw before time began. That's what we wanted to do in the first place, was to bring many sons into glory. So they saw the completion of it and the result of it. They saw it. And I have here a car prototype analogy. So, you know, it's interesting when they create a car, 
or, or any new thing, what is often done is a prototype is created. And a prototype, it may not work properly. This is human manufacturing. It may not work properly. It may look good. It may look like it's supposed to work and all that. But it's not going to be the exact. But when that prototype is unveiled, usually there is praise. They're like, wow, what a nice car. This is grand. This is glorious. This is what people say if they like it, that is. And so when I think about this, they saw the glory. They saw the sons of God in all their glory. They saw Christ and the sons of God. They saw this before time began. Because the first thing that we see about Christ after he got this glory, what does he do? He gives it to us. Turns and gives it right to us. Because this is the glory that the Father planned to bring us into. And so, so a person says, well, what glory is that? Is that divinity or is that the glory? No, it's the glory of the achievement of the Father's eternal purpose. That's what it's about. Now, we'll talk more about what it makes of us, but more so, let's identify what it is before we move on to other questions. Right? They shared, they shared this, this glory before time began. When they say they shared it, they both agreed that this was the plan. They both did. Not just the father, but the son too. They both agreed. And point number four is going to be our last point for the day. Evidently, all the members of the Trinity were pleased with this. And what is this that we're talking about? That is the executed plan. That's why all of them, from right after that, have been working feverishly that this plan be executed, come to fruition, because it is going to be glorious when all of these things come together and it's over. Now, what if you say, yeah, but wait a minute, what, what, if, what if the plan fails? Is that possible that the plan does not, that, that the Father planned all this and it doesn't come to pass? Is that possible? I would have to say absolutely not. The free will decisions of every person that would ever be born on planet Earth have already been factored in. And it is evidently the very glory that we're going to see at the end of the world. God has already saw it. He sees things that are not as though they are. That's exactly what we're seeing. Literally is like prophecy. Is, is, is there any prophecies that God makes that doesn't come, that they don't come true? Absolutely not. God already saw it. It is going to happen. You will receive glory. You are one of those destined for this glory. Christ already has been glorified. Only thing he's waiting until the Father continues to bring the last son or daughter in the glory who was conformed to his image the last person in Christ and then time will continue to move on it will be complete the church age 
will come to an end. And just like it says, we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. We're going to have to stop. We'll continue this next week. And I hope we, we can keep our focus and keep our jaw tuned in as we continue this thought. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had. And Father, the, the calling we have from eternity past. Phenomenal information that is ours in, in these verses that we have read for thousands of years now, but that your spirit has brought life to. So Father, we thank you for each person that is under the sound of my voice. And Father, we pray for each person's understanding that they will pursue these things and come to the knowledge of the truth. Thank you for this church and the fact that we can talk about these things freely, that we are not hindered, that there is no limit put on us about what we can and cannot discuss. Thank you, Father, that the freedom that we have is the freedom you have given us by the authority of your word. You've called us to this task, and Father, we're going to be about our business. Thank you for Christ who blaze the trail. He is the savior of the world and we are conformed to his very image. Thank you so much for his efforts, his execution of the plan where it says you did not spare your only son, but you delivered him over to judgment for us all. How not? How will you not also freely give us all things? So we pray this prayer in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. You made it, Doug.